Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. Welcome to Plathville Edition. Now, of course, I have to start this episode with some very shocking, tragic news that, you know, oddly enough, on the same day that their new episode was going to drop, um, Cam and Barry announced the end of their 24-year-long marriage. Camelot is truly dead. Love found floating in the East River. Romance gone. We're all doomed. So they put out a press release saying, after considerable thought and discussion, we have decided to end our marriage. While this was not an easy decision, we know it's the best decision for both of us. We've been through many highs and lows in our 24 years of marriage, and as we navigate this new chapter in our lives, we will co-parent our amazing children. Um, Listen, I mean... Basically, the entirety of their storyline this season is about how much Kim basically can't even stand to be in the same room as Barry. So, I mean, any um, act of surprise will be nothing more than an act on my end. So, I mean, I don't have anything to say. It's like, you know inevitable (laughs) so so i know a lot of people thought that this was a potentially fake storyline that like kim and barry had nothing else to talk about so they were just pretending to go through some sort of marital strife but either you guys are wrong or they're plotting for another season so who's to say who's to say um let's move on with the episode It was Micah's big 21st birthday and, you know, what a birthday it was. Let's start off in Tampa with Olivia and Ethan, who are 
sort of in a better mood since they just went out with their respective friends or, you know, in Ethan's case, completely by himself. Um, so they're talking about like what the other one did the night before. And Ethan said, you know, I went to the bar by myself and somebody gave me their number. And so Olivia's like, okay, well, what did you do with it? And he's like, well, I was just polite. It had never happened to me before. And so I took the number. So Olivia looks back at him and is like, why, why did you take her number? And Ethan says in a confessional that it didn't even occur to him that he messed up and maybe should not have said anything until immediately after the words came out of his mouth. But I disagree. I actually think for once, Ethan is actually telling the truth and he's getting rewarded handsomely because of it. So Ethan basically says, he claims the innocence defense, like, hey, Cairo doesn't even have a bar, and if they did, everybody would know each other. I didn't know what to do if somebody gave me their number, so I just took it. And Olivia gives him, I don't want to say she gives him a pass, but she lets it go. And she's like, you know, I know that I have a tendency to be a little bit on the emotional side, but frankly, I've got stuff to do, and I don't really have time to get into it with Ethan, so I'm just going to let it go. And uh, I can only control my reaction and not his actions. So we'll move on. Then over at the Plath house, what starts as a pretty wholesome, fun bonding moment between Kim and the two little girls, Mercy and Cassia, because she's helping them move into their new bedroom, quickly gets burst right in the face when we find out the reason why the girls are moving are so... Kim can have the master bed or the primary bedroom. Um, Barry moved into the old little girl's room and now the little girls are moving into their old to a new bedroom. So this is less of like an exciting moment and more depressing and sad. And, and uh, you know, the the uh, consequence or whatever of, of a separation slash divorce. So Kim says, make no mistake. The fact that she's moving back into the house is absolutely not a sign that she and Barry are getting any closer or back together. It's purely so she could get uh, be close to the little girls. And it turns out those little girls are just as uh, curious, if you will, about the state of their parents' relationship as Amber was, Queen Amber. And uh, listen, I don't know which one is which. I'm pretty sure the youngest one is Mercy and the other one's Cassia. But listen... Frankly, it doesn't really matter to me. I, I don't really care for children. So <laughs> I'll figure out which one is which another day. But they had a bunch of questions for Kim. And one of them says, do you think that our uh, move to this new bedroom is going to be a temporary thing? And Kim's like, yeah, I mean, I think so. And then the other one says, when did this all start? As in, when did the demise of your relationship with our father start? <laughs> so... Kim tells them that she's been realizing she's not happy and that after 24 years, they really haven't been doing the things that they should do to have a thriving and loving relationship and marriage. So Kim also tries to reassure the girls that it's not their fault. Their lives won't change that much. And, you know, when you get a divorce, things can get really messy, but she's going to make sure she and Barry are still good friends. And the girls are like, when you're getting a what now? And then Kim's like, oh, shit, I said divorce instead of separation. Shit. <laughs> shit. <laughs> so, uh, 
Kim says that she's really just trying to be honest with the kids, but she definitely let it slip that she said divorce instead of separation. And then the producers ask those little girls what they think about the divorce, which I thought was like a pretty irresponsible like pretty uncool of them what's well, not cool of of uh kim and barry to well kim in this case so she was the parent on hand uncool of her to allow them to ask that question but also uncool on production's part like why they literally just heard their mom say they were getting a divorce and like minutes later you're gonna ask them how they felt about it like they're not they're like both under the age of 12 right i just felt like that was kind of inappropriate Kim says in a confessional that even though she's always taught her kids that marriage is forever, she's now going to have to shift from that to telling them that without communication and working hard to make somebody happy, that these sorts of things can happen. And then she says that now is probably the time that she and Barry needs to talk about what's going to happen to their future. You think? I think so, girl. Next, we get the scene between Lydia and Mariah, and this really was a scene of the episode for me. So they meet up at a coffee shop, and Mariah says in a confessional that she's confused, and she needs answers as to why Lydia has continued to hang out with Max, even after they've broken up, and how hurtful that is to her. So Mariah tells Lydia at this point in her life she is the angriest she's ever been and how max made a video about their relationship and their breakup and posted it on social media and she needs to tell lydia how she feels now so she starts off being like yeah you remember how one time we were talking and you asked me how i felt or if i would mind if i if you still spoke and hung out with max and lydia's like yeah and So Mariah's like, yeah, so I don't really understand why you would do that. And I know it's not what you meant to do, but it really did kind of hurt me. So Lydia says in a confessional (laughs) that when Mariah told her she and Max broke up, she assumed that it was going to be more of a break situation and not a breakup. And she had no idea what was going on. So, you know, she didn't really mean to cause Mariah any pain, But then Mariah says, Lydia, you know, I didn't tell you at first what exactly went on, but even after I did tell you, you still hung out with Max twice. And that's like totally your call, but I just want to know why. Y'all, I about passed out. Lydia then brings up the Bible and says that she was reminded of scriptures about forgiveness and how, you know, she just had to meet up with Max and tell him that, yes, what he did was wrong, but she wasn't going to go the rest of her life with a huge grudge on her. Girl, how are you going to tell me that you've decided to forgive my boyfriend for cheating on me? without even any sort of consultation or anything and then you bring up the bible because so then it's not like you know now it's like i can't say anything because you're using our lord and savior and the scripture to do some bullshit and uh try to hang out with my ex-boyfriend like girl what do you need to forgive him for get out of here At this point, we got to check her prayer closet for, I don't know, some sort of gas leak, fungus, mold, spores, because the girl ain't thinking right, okay? And she's not thinking in a very sisterly manner. 
So then Lydia says that when she found out about the cheating, she was shocked. Okay. And so she decided to reach out to Max to meet up with him in order to tell him that he hurt Mariah, which in turn hurts her, but he's forgiven. So Lydia tries to explain that to Mariah, you know, like even though she forgave Max, it doesn't mean that she trusts him or what he did was okay. And Mariah's like, all right, but Max didn't do anything to you. He did it to me. Like, I understand that you don't want to be mad at him because it doesn't feel good, but you don't have anything to forgive him for. (laughs) Period, girl. Like, girl, what do we think Lydia's true intent? Do we honestly think that she just like floats through life purely on the fumes of the Bible and does everything based on that? I, I kind of think it's true, but I also feel like, um, you know, reading the Bible and, and trusting it doesn't absolve you from being an asshole, you know? Like, I think, holler if you hear me, Americans, uh, we all know that to be true. So, I she's wild. She's really wild. And the thing is, like, Lydia, or Mariah eventually is like, you know, I know that you don't have bad intentions. I know that, you know, even though things that you might do might be hurtful, like, I know that you're intentions are pure and I know that you didn't mean to hurt me and that like sucks Lydia could really use that to her advantage and I kind of feel like in this case she is like that's dead ass wrong I mean she does tell Mariah like I didn't put you as my sister first and that was wrong of me and I'm sorry and like cool but like girl if I found out that anybody not even my sister but like my friends heard about this guy that unequivocally hurt me with like no provocation and no reasoning whatsoever and then you decided to say that on behalf of me and my friend or me and my sister I forgive you girl keep that shit in the prayer closet like please Max can't be so good at volleyball that it was worth all of this he can't possibly be anyway um Then back in Tampa, the house is preparing for Micah to arrive for his 21st birthday. Micah's like, yeah, I live in LA, but I could, and you know, we'll be honest, he probably does party there all the time. So, you know, it's his big birthday and he wants to spend it with his family. Um, Olivia's making a cake, Ethan's there, and they both talk about their 21st birthday and how lame it was. Olivia said... (laughs) she didn't have a sip of alcohol on her 21st birthday which fine whatever but it was almost more sad when Ethan said that they just went to uh, get a steak on his birthday and they split a margarita between they shared a single margarita like that's almost more depressing than not drinking at all and not I mean of course I'm not saying that like everybody needs to drink on their 21st birthday but like it did sound lame they were right about that But before uh, Micah shows up, we see Lydia again. She's, you know, got her nice little FLDS braid. She's got the perfect Warren Jeffs oval framing her face. And uh, um, speaking of you guys, I'm doing uh, Keep Sweet, Pray and Obey the Netflix documentary on my Patreon. So you can check that out now. Uh, 
I'm doing two parts. It'll be this week and next week. So check that out at patreon.com slash EBBM podcast. I never talk about my Patreon on this, these episodes, but I should, because there's good shit back there, you guys, real good shit. So I would implore you to check it out. You can find the link to it in the episode description and I'll end my plug there. But anyway, um, so Lydia pulls up to a house in Tallahassee and we find out that she's got friends, apparently friends that are willing to be on camera. Of course, these are friends that she met through like her Christ centered volleyball team or whatever, but the friends, the friends nonetheless. So she hangs out with them and you know, they're going to have a, just a rollicking good time sitting around a campfire with cinder blocks in it. And uh, I don't know, fellowshipping or whatever. Um, <clears throat> so Lydia, <laughs> Lydia explains why she has friends in the funniest possible way by shading the fuck out of her parents. And she says, you know, I've grew up seeing what my parents' social life was like. And I decided, you know, that isn't really the life for me. (laughs) So these girls have also been super supportive of Lydia during her, you know, time of her parents' separation. And they've been talking her through it and stuff. So Lydia talks about how... She's been in Tallahassee three times this week. She likes hanging out with her friends and she's also now 18. So this would be the time where she's really thinking about moving out and being more independent. And the girls are like, oh, well, maybe you should move to Tallahassee, get some roommates, whatever. Um, I didn't hear any of them explicitly offering to be her roommate, but that's neither here nor there. But Lydia anyway says that she's basically committed to making sure that the little girls, AKA her daughters are okay. And you know, that they're okay during the time of the separation and divorce. So she's not going to leave, which I don't, (laughs) it, it makes me not cringe, but like, I just don't love that because I, you know, I'm always thinking of Jana Duggar. Okay. And how, She's just stuck in that house with all those little kids who are basically her children. And I'm sure it's like, okay, but it's also like, not, you know, (laughs) it's really not okay. And it's sad and it's totally fine to live with your parents and it's totally fine to live with them and like take care of your uh, little siblings and stuff. But like, we know that this is a very different situation, right? And there's really not a whole lot of independence. So she's got to drive all the way to Tallahassee to fellowship with, you know, girls in jean skirts. Like, you know, maybe you should get out there and, and get some fresh air and see what the real world is like. We need another season with Lydia, like actually living out on her own. And then actually I would be done with this whole series after that, truly. So one of these friends asks Lydia how she's dealing with everything going on. And Lydia says that Jesus is her comforter and that she can find her joy through the Lord and not through her circumstances. And then one girl just quietly says under her breath, Oh, proud of you. (laughs) Like even her churchy friends are like, girl, this is a little much. And maybe you need to like think about some other things. And then another one of Lydia's friends asks how Barry is dealing with everything. And Lydia says, you know, he has good days and bad days and that they've both been talking and crying and praying together. And through her prayer, the Lord gave her her a word. And that word was grace. Then she says that her relationship with Kim is flipped, turned upside down. Basically, they used to be super close, 
but she can feel that Kim is pretty strained and they can have conversations about all the things that the Holy Spirit is doing for Lydia and Kim will be happy for her, but she can also feel that there's a wall up around Kim's heart. And also that it's not really her job to break that wall down, which is true, girl. Like you are not, I want more parents to understand that like their children are not responsible for maintaining a relationship. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Lydia says in a confessional that she has not said all that she wants to say to Kim. And there's a lot more that she could say. And it's just a really strange time because she doesn't really know what is emotionally holding her mom back right now. So another friend asked Lydia if she feels like she's holding a lot of weight and responsibility with the family. And Lydia says, yeah, like sometimes she feels like all she wants to do is crumble and that it's all too much. But it's also really not her burden to bear, basically. And they all tell her that that's true. The back in Tampa, Micah's birthday is now underway. And Mariah says in a confessional that because she's not 21 yet, she's been taking shots of juice. So Every time somebody comes to the house, they everybody takes a shot. But Mariah says she's just been taking shots of juice instead and how she really wishes she could just sneak one shot. But she's a good girl. But I noticed that when one of the times they took a shot, do you get a reaction of Mariah's face if you looked really closely? And I don't know, her face didn't look like she was reacting to juice. And that's all I'll say about that. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm also a girl who grew up on Laguna Beach and the hills. And, you know, before they turned 21, they had a lot of clever ways to disguise they were hiding alcohol. And, you know, I just am very well researched in that area. And that's all I'm going to say about that. I will say this whole scene really honed in on like the early 20s of it all when all your friends are turning 21 and you guys think that taking shots is like the coolest party thing that you could possibly do and then we see a drunken conversation between Micah and Mariah they're outside doing a, a interview with production and Micah's lit. Micah is not sober for the rest of this episode. I have not seen somebody this fucked up on TLC since like, oh gosh, since like, uh, Big Ed came back 
from uh no was it not big david remember david of Dana, david and annie in the beginning of 90 day fiance when um they were uh living with his friend his rich friend and on the first night david got drunk and david gotten into a fight with the wife's brother and he called him a penguin from back man looking bitch not since then have I seen, well, you know, also we can bring Michelle Duggar into that. I don't know what pill she's on, but listen, the ladies, she's got something coursing through her veins and it's not good. I think we can all agree on that. But anyway, um, yeah, Micah was wasted for the rest of the episode and it was just like, yeah, again, true early twenties fashion. So they're having this conversation, Micah and Mariah and, <laughs> Micah's like, Mariah, I need you to give me a compliment, okay? So Mariah's talking him, like, bigging him up and talking about how great it is that he went out on his own to move to L.A. all by himself and, and like, how cool that was and how proud she is of him. And Micah's like, yeah, see, you moved with your bubble. You moved to Tampa with your cushion, okay? And I did this all by myself. And I popped my bubble to the side and I said, I'm going to face the world. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> so then Micah goes back inside and he whispers into Ethan's ear that he really wants to go to a strip club. And Ethan at first is like all about it. But then we find out Ethan has never <laughs> been to a club before and that he's just feeling very anxious about the whole thing. So then he asks Olivia if she wants to go. She's like, yeah, sure. So Ethan explains that this whole thing is going to be weird for him because he's never been to a place where he's seen naked ladies before, but Micah apparently has been to a strip club once and he's like, I want to go in like on this experience the first time. Ethan doesn't really like to go out at all. So this is going to be a little bit strange. So they hop in an Uber and on the way, Micah has to explain to Ethan that they need cash to tip the strippers. And Ethan's like, why? For what? <laughs> so Ethan says in a confessional that he definitely feels like an embarrassment around seeing naked people in public and how that embarrassment has been hardwired into him since he was a child. But like, Make no mistake, he likes to see naked people. He just gets embarrassed about it in public. So they decide to stop by like a 7-Eleven to get some cash. And Micah gets his money from the front counter and he tells Ethan like, hey, go to the ATM. So Ethan's like, yeah, yeah, good idea. Um, how do I do that? So Micah's like, you're going to put your card into the machine and then take out the amount of money that you need. And Ethan says, but I've never done that before. The kids never use an ATM. The Micah says in a confessional, on the one hand, I can understand. I mean, like on the one hand, that's wild. But on the other hand, Ethan doesn't spend his money at all. So I can understand why he's never been to an ATM because he's cheap, basically. It was at this point that Ethan started to smoke a cigar inside of the 7-Eleven. <laughs> So they get back into the car and Ethan starts complaining about how going to a strip club is just a waste of money. It's a waste to get all those dollars to the strippers and how, you know, it's probably just a bunch of perverts in there that go to the strip club and they go to look at women. And Micah's like, yeah, and we're about to be two of them. <laughs> so they get dropped off at an establishment called 
2001, A Nude Odyssey. God bless. As they walk up to the club, Ethan's mumbling about how so many friggin' hot ladies inside, like Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> and Micah's like, yeah, God created all these bodies and we should look at them. So they finally walk in and we get like a man on the street interview with Ethan. And they're like, he's like across the street a little bit. So you could get a full view of the fact that this uh, strip club has a gigantic spaceship on the roof of the building. I mean, they've truly committed to this like alien theme in a way that I found inventive and really put a point on the board for Tampa. I would like to go to 2001, a strip odyssey or a nude odyssey. It seemed like a lot of fun. Anyway, Ethan says that between all the metal alien decor and the naked ladies, he's now in complete sensory overload. One of the dancers tries to ask Ethan what his name was. And he says, I have no name. I don't have one. (laughs) So they go into this like private champagne room. It kind of looks like a spaceship. If you ignore the clear home goods drapery, that's neither here nor there. But Ethan says in a confessional that growing up, their mom was super adamant about not viewing any sort of sexuality out of women out in public and talks about a time where they were at the grocery store and there was a lady pushing her grocery cart and you could just see the very top of her ass crack and how Kim just yelled eyes down eyes down and they would have to look at the floor um to avoid this woman's ass crack (laughs) And I really feel like they do that in the Duggars, too. I, I'm pretty sure Michelle has that rule. In true himbo fashion, Micah tries to encourage Ethan to just enjoy the experience. Because the ladies are there. They're doing a job. He shouldn't feel about ashamed about finding these women attractive. So it's Micah, Ethan in the middle. He's sitting next to Olivia. And then there's another girl on the other side of Olivia. So... On one side of Ethan, Micah's getting a lap dance. And on the other side, the girls are making it rain. And Olivia says she's really just trying to appreciate this moment. And she's in awe of these women and how they move their bodies. Because when she tries to even attempt to move her body like this, she looks like one of those blow-up things that you find outside of a car dealership. (laughs) Ethan is not feeling this at all. And he says... All he can hear is the dancer's ass cheeks bouncing up and down on Micah. And it's just like too much for him to handle. So he's like, you know, I was excited to come initially, but just really not feeling it. So Ethan tells everybody he's going downstairs. And he says in a confessional that one of the principles he lives by is that he wants people to like him because of who he is and not because of the money that they could give him. And it's like, bro... It's not that deep. They're doing a job. Just like Micah said, like, you're also married. So there's really no stakes here. You weren't going to, like, form a friendship with any of these people. And you weren't going to be dating them. You're literally sitting next to your wife. So it doesn't matter if they don't like you for who you are to the core of you. Because you have a wife. It Who cares? I could almost, like, understand that more if he were single and he's like, oh, this is just, like, weird. And I'm, like, 
you know what I mean? Like, I could understand if maybe he felt like that was a sad single guy thing to do, but, like, I don't know. I'm also, like, from Atlanta, and so we, you know, the the appreciation for the stripping arts is ingrained within me. Like, just like Ethan's been hardwired to look at the floor when he sees an ass crack in public, I'm hardwired to appreciate what these women do. Like, they're truly athletes, and they're out there doing the damn thing. And I appreciate them for it. I really do. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Micah says that he's really disappointed because it's his birthday and he really wanted to spend it with his brother. But basically, if it doesn't have to do with like cars or motors or something that Ethan likes... He'll bail out eventually. So this is actually pretty typical behavior from him. It's not just like specific to it being like uh, them at a strip club. Olivia says that for her, she has like a lot of shame surrounding her body and sex that was hardwired into her growing up. But the more that she's gotten older and has learned to love her body, she feels a lot more supportive of women who can show their bodies off. The scene ends with the producers outside with Micah trying to ask him more questions. But he's like, you know, it's my 21st birthday. And you guys can't tell me what to do. So I'm going to go see more titties. And then he runs. (laughs) He just bolts back into 2001 A Nude Odyssey. The producers are like, Micah, we need to get your mic back. Like, hello. (laughs) God bless. Um, So back at the Plath house, Barry you know, just a ball of fun. He's working on a presidents of the United States puzzle by himself. And he says that while Kim has moved back into the house in order to be around the kids, he's also hoping that they can use this as an opportunity to try to reconcile. And like, these are the parts where I'm like, I'm like, not really on Barry's side or Kim's side when it comes to the separation. There are parts of this that I do feel empathy for because I could understand how from Kim's perspective, she just like spent her time in this loveless marriage, popping out a whole bunch of kids, not getting any sort of credit or love for it. And now she's like, yeah, this just like, isn't for me anymore. Like I get that. Um, And these are the parts of Barry that like, I'm like, yeah, I'm fully on Kim's side because here you are at the 13th hour trying to act like, oh, I'm going to use this as an opportunity. But it's like, 
she's been around this whole time. You weren't trying to hang out with her when she left the house. And now that she's like in here, you're like, oh, well, she's here. She's right down the hallway. I guess maybe I'll try for my marriage now. It's just very lazy, you know, and very like way too last minute for me. So I get it. Kim comes out of her bedroom and asks Barry if they can go outside to talk. And in a confessional, Kim says that she's pretty sure at this point, Barry knows that she wants a divorce, but he's also not really hearing her, even though she's been trying to communicate it for quite a while. So Barry asks Kim like, Hey, what's on your mind? And she's like, well, you know, I'm not happy. And Barry's like, well, I'm just looking for the wife that I knew and I can't find her. Uh, Kim, have you seen her anywhere? And you know what? That would have pissed me the fuck off. Okay. Because you're not going to act like I like, oh, have you seen her? Tell me, have you seen her? No, no, we're not doing that shit because she's been telling you that she's not happy. And now you're acting like she's this totally different person. Yeah. The person she is now is a person who wants to be in a happy marriage and who wasn't getting it. And she's giving you opportunities and you haven't been taking it. And now you're acting like, Oh, I don't know who this person is. Oh, where'd she go? What the wife that was desperately unhappy in an, 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 in an unfulfilling marriage and relationship, like fuck off. So then Barry says in a confessional that when he looks at Kim, he sees a woman who feels betrayed because, and they're not close at all anymore. And that even though Kim's around, he still feels very lonely, weird and lonely. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) truer words have never been spoken, Barry. You're definitely weird and you're definitely lonely. So, Sorry, then Barry tells Kim that he feels betrayed because this is like the one thing that he thought wouldn't happen, them breaking up and that, you know, he thought that their marriage could never be shaken and that it's just like really sad and a tragedy. But it's like, bro, you're not doing anything. So I feel like a tragedy comes after at least some effort has been made but when I think of Barry trying to put in effort on this marriage I think about the opening credits of Daria you know where she's they're playing volleyball or something and she just like puts her right arm out like she's trying to do something but she's really not that's really what Barry's that's the amount of effort that Barry's been putting into this marriage like Lydia's been putting more effort into y'all's marriage than you have Barry and you really only have yourself to blame for that one Then Barry says in a confessional that when he looks at Kim, he sees a woman who feels trapped and that even though he has not bought her flowers or presents, he's still hoping, hoping that eventually Kim will change. That is diabolical, sir. Like, (laughs) even though I'm putting no effort to this marriage and, you know, they say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and hoping for a different result, right? Like, He has resigned himself like he knows that he should do something and is like, I'm choosing not to and just hoping that Kim changes her mind and continues to be in this loveless flop marriage in which she gets absolutely nothing like that's fucked up. So Barry tells Kim that he feels like a man of sorrows and full of grief, but he also has questions about what's going on and what's the motivation behind what Kim is doing and that he values their 24 years and feel as like they shouldn't just throw that away. Kim tells Barry she's tired of being hurt, 
But then Barry's like, well, I just feel like this might be an opportunity if you want to maybe like seek out help so we can learn to speak each other's language. Kim says, I honestly, I feel like we're past that point. And then Barry asks her why she's being so selfish. Bro, please don't make me be on Kim's side. Like, I don't like being here. It's uncomfortable. I don't like the flip flops and I don't want to do it. But yet I am. I'm getting her blonde hair whipped back in my face. I'm wearing a blue t-shirt. I didn't come with this blue t-shirt. All of a sudden I'm wearing one out of nowhere. I don't want to be on Kim's side. Barry, don't force me to do this, bro. I don't like it here. Get me out. So Kim asked Barry, do you really want me to stay if I'm unhappy? And asking me that is almost like Barry says that he feels like I don't have the right to be happy and that I don't matter, which is exactly why we're in the place that we are to begin with. Amen, girl. Amen. I'm with you. I'm totally with you on that. So Kim tells Barry, I've told you these things and I've told you that things weren't right in our relationship and you didn't listen. And Barry says, but now I'm listening. And Kim says, well, why couldn't you listen when I told you that several times? And in an interview, she says, over the years, I have tried to talk to Barry about our issues, but it's gone in one ear and right out the other. He's never changed. And now that I'm ready to leave the marriage, he cares. But he feels like I feel like if I was really worth it, he would have listened to me a lot earlier. Amen. So Barry says that he believes in the theory of second chances. And Kim's like, okay, but I've given you one. I've also given you a third chance and a fourth chance. And then Barry just looks at her and nods. He's got the creepiest smile. I'm afraid of like men that are a little too quiet. Like what's going on behind those milky eyes of yours, Barry? Nothing good. Nothing good. And I can see it. I can see it. So finally, Barry admits that he took Kim for granted because he really thought that she was always going to be around. And then he goes, well, we don't have to decide anything tonight. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so then Barry's just like, where my hug at? So then they have to hug. And there's a brief moment where Kim actually puts her head on his shoulder, which I thought was a lot more intimate than probably they've been in quite some time I would imagine but Kim says in a confessional that she really wanted to tell Barry like this was going to be the I want to have a divorce conversation but if Barry's still acting like they're at a point where their relationship is still worth saving then he's probably not at a point where he's ready to hear that she wants a divorce and she doesn't know if Barry's in denial or if he's trying to stall for time but he's obviously very hopeful. <laughs> then they hug and the episode ends with Barry saying that he still feels like he has a chance with Kim and that the kids would really benefit from them staying together because they have such a great family. And so he has no problem being patient and playing the long game with Kim. <laughs> okay. Well, how'd that work out for you, Barry? Not well, bitch. <laughs> Not well at all. Wow. That was like truly wild. Like I said, I do not appreciate having to be on Kim's side, but like she's completely right. Like he does not care about anything leading up to um, her really holding his like very thin and long feet 
to the fire and good on her for like standing her ground and being like, I have given you opportunities and now you're acting like I'm being selfish. Like we had this great family all these 24 years and then all of a sudden I'm the one ruining it and you still don't want to do anything that I've been asking you to do. And so now you're blaming it on me. And I think that's really not fair. Um, he, they're probably, here's the other thing is that like Barry probably could blame a lot of things on Kim and yet he's not finding the right thing. So that's really on you, bro. And now I really have to be on her side. Um, so with that, you guys, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Hopefully next week will be a little bit more entertaining. You guys, I, only, I can only work with the material I got. Okay. <laughs> so. If you guys are able to give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or even Spotify, I would really appreciate it. Um, And I'll check back with you guys next week. Bye.